Hello, and welcome to the Flourishing Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to tune in today. We have an exciting message in store for you. We encourage you to share and invite your friends and family to tune in. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. Bring me on down, bro. Let's pray. Thanks so much. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us an opportunity we have to come together to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, thank you for our time of worship. We're so thankful for the team that leads us week in and week out. We don't take your presence for granted. And God, it is our prayer now that you would speak to our hearts and that none of us would leave like we came. Will you demonstrate your power? Show up in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 David Letterman is a talk show host and had one of the uh, most highly rated and respected talk shows uh, for the better part of 33 years. David Letterman is a award-winning, an Emmy award-winning talk show host. He's no longer the host of that show, bless you. He now actually hosts a show entitled, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. It's on Netflix. And you can take a listen to that, just like JoJo is listening to me now. <laughs> Love that. What's up, bro? Those of you watching, like, what are you talking about? There's the, my nephews right here watching me preach. That's what's up. I'm reminded of a segment that was on David Letterman's show back in the day, which I used to look forward to coming on each Friday. And it was entitled, Will It Float? Now, I'm about to date myself here. How many of you remember that segment? You Gen Xers, Gen Zers wouldn't remember that. But everyone else beyond that, you should know this. Thank you. In Gardena, it was thin. Torrance, it was thin. People were like, wait, what? Will it what? Will it float? There was a quirky theme song. A random product was selected. A bag of this, a bucket of that, a sack of this or a sack of that. And then there was a large tank in front of the stage. Members from the Tonight Show staff would come out, and the whole point of this skit was to see whatever they had after dunking it in the water, the question on the floor was, will it float? And no one knew. Paul Schaefer, the band leader, David Letterman would banter back and forth, the producer, the announcer, and they all would wait in anticipation and even get the audience participation asking, will it sink or will it float? We're in a series called Unsinkable. It is a life metaphor that speaks to not allowing things that come in our way in the form of hardship, disappointment, frustration, or the unpredictable to sink us. You know the stakes are much higher than a game show when it's your life. Will you sink or float? If only our lives could be a bit more consistent, predictable, and peaceful. But life is not like that. Life is about ebb and flows. It's about disruptions. It's about sudden change. Life can be peaceful, have a rhythm in one season, and then in a moment, circumstances can change. People around us can come and go. And what we thought were sure things, sure bets, can become a little less than 50-50 wagers, if you will. Disappointment. A friendship gone south. Financial hardship. Health issues. The loss of someone you love. Such challenges can enter our lives like breaking waves, and we have to remain afloat. We battle to remain afloat. In these times we're living in, we must consider the anchors we have in place that keep us afloat, not overwhelmed. 
that will have us thrive rather than struggle, that will propel us forward rather than hold us back. And I am convinced that the person of Jesus Christ is the most significant source of stability, the most significant anchor you must have in your life. One of the practical tools that will help us to remain unsinkable is by resting and relying on the scriptures. It's what Jesus relied upon in great moments of testing throughout his life, including the early stages of his ministry. See Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus confronted the enemy who was attempting to disrupt and derail him, Jesus didn't pull from Tony Robbins' great hits. He didn't download the latest TED Talk. He relied upon the scriptures. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, it is written, quoting from Deuteronomy, the ancients. In order for us to remain afloat, we must examine the scriptures. Let me encourage you to bring the scriptures into every context and every texture of your life and live life accordingly. In times of hardship and in times of setback, in times of difficulty, in times of struggle, Rely on the word of God. The scripture says these words. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, listen to this, you will have tribulation. Another translation says trouble, but take heart. Another translation says take courage, for I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. When the righteous cry for help, the Bible says, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Psalm 34 says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the word of the Lord. But it's not only the scriptures, but it's the stories in the scriptures, in the sacred texts that minister to us, that meet us at the very point of our needs. In our brief time, I want to look at a story. It's about a person who did not shrink back in the moment of testing, who did not allow the odds against him to keep him from advancing forward in the things of God, in God's power, in God's presence in his life. He was unsinkable in the face of insurmountable circumstances. And so the goal of our conversation today is twofold. One, I want to share some practical reminders for us to live by. As we endure hardship and difficulty, the scriptures, remember, said in this life, you will have trouble. So that's a given. Things will happen. Things will happen in our lives. So one, I want to give you some reminders. We all need some go-to, some reminders. Again, these are not self-help. These are reminders taken from the ancients, from the scriptures. And then two, I, don't want, I want to move us from what I call break the glass faith moments. You know, back in the day when I was coming up, I remember in the hallways in schools, you remember the Scotty where they would have these fire extinguishers and it would read, in case of emergency, break the glass. Some of us approach our faith like that. Yeah. Listen, like, 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 it's like we, we look to God, we hit our knees, we get a prayer, we get on the phone with the pastor when the drama visits our front door, break the glass. But I believe God has called us to not just have life, but have it abundantly. God has not called you to be desperate. He's called you to discover your destiny. We need to break free from the break the glass faith. I want to be moving in the things of God. 
It just dawned on me. I only have this shirt. I sweated out the other one. I got to take it easy. So I need y'all to help me. I, I can't go to lunch all sweaty. Can y'all help a brother out? Can I get an amen? Can I get a preach it? Come on. Our focus turns to a unique figure in history, in Israel's history. He is among the elite, the elite military leaders in King's da King David's army. David is the second king of all of Israel. And he's known, David, as a man after God's own heart. David, David was a valiant warrior, a trusted leader, an artist, a writer. And David developed an elite military regiment. There were 37 Navy SEALs, if you were, 37 uh, Green Berets who were part of this elite regiment. And then there were three who were really, really sort of the cream of the crop. So there was the 37, and then there was the three. I want to have a conversation about one of those three. And then in this passage of Scripture we'll read in a moment, there's a group called the Philistines, who were constant, formidable foes to the people of Israel. They were skilled fighters. They had an advantage in weaponry, in part because they had a monopoly over the material of iron. They could basically form swords and other weapons that would render them sort of superior to anyone who they would come up against in terms of their fighting abilities. And so we have the Philistines, we have David's mighty men, these sort of elite 37, and then the three, and then we have the setting. The setting is a field, not a mountaintop, but a field of lentils, a field of beans. And some scholars argue that lentils are part of a traditional meal for that of mourning. So we're setting up a potential site in a context where there is about to be some death and destruction and possibility, the possibility of things not going the way in which one of these two groups of people anticipate. And so here are the Philistines. They're in constant brute fashion form and they're about to raid the field. Take advantage of the hard work of someone else, of their toil and their labor and labor. But this would be a day unlike any other day. Somebody shout a day unlike any other day. We just need some of those days. Some of our days just need to be unpredictable. So here's the passage. It says next to him, next to Shema, the son of Agi, the Herorite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils and the troops fled, Israel's troops fled from that field, from them. But look at verse 12, the conjunction there, it says, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. Listen to this. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Shema. Come on, say that with me. Shema. Not much is known about this central figure, his background, his family. But we do know this. At one of the most consequential moments in the history of the people of Israel and in that community, Shema found himself in less than favorable situations or circumstances. He showed courage and leadership and strength, and he was, in a word, unshakable. The scriptures inform us that the Philistines banded together at a place that was a field, a field of beans, a field of lentils here in this field. But Shema, when everyone else, Shema stood his ground, his 
friends ran, his fellow troops fled, but Shema stood his ground right there in the middle of the field, which leads me to the important first point I want to give for you this day. And I'm already getting hungry. I'm going to give these real quickly because I got to be up out of here like Houdini and escape for lunch. Here we go. Here's the first point. Don't miss it. Give no ground. Give no ground. Shema didn't give ground, neither should you. Give no ground. As a follower of Jesus, you may feel uh, constantly being pushed and pulled, pulled in your place of work, in your place of school, in your community. You may feel like you're the, always the one who has to show deference, has to apologize, hide your face. You are always the one who has to make excuses. Listen, today, I want you to have the posture in terms of being unsinkable. Give no ground. Give no ground. Give no ground to things or to people that come to plunder, that come to take. Don't negotiate. Don't shrink back. Don't compromise. Don't avoid. Don't make excuses for their behavior. Give no ground. Somebody shout, give no ground. Listen, you may be in the middle of the season of your life, like you're in a field of lentils where you think that it does not matter if I just compromise here, if I just turn my back here, if, if, I, if I just keep quiet here. But listen, in your conduct, in your lifestyle, in your conversation, in your giving, in your worship, in your prayer life, in your thought life, I want you to give no ground. Don't give any ground to anyone that comes to take and steal from you. You may be in the middle of the field, what seems like a no-win situation. Things may appear to be disjointed, disconnected, and everybody else seems to be coming up but you. You may be thinking, what's the point? What is the point in all this? You may think that this thing happens to me, and this thing has happened to me, and this is all confusing. Watch this. Nothing just happens to you. Everything works together for the good of those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. You ought to have the posture that I will give no ground. This is the day that I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm pressing into the things of God and I am giving no ground. No ground. No ground. No ground. No ground. No ground. Give no ground. In our actions, in your words, in your attitude, in your spirit, in your thought life, and in your mind, give no ground. Our mind is the battle place. If the field of lentils is the place where Shema does battle, our mind is where we do battle. It's in our mind. The scriptures affirm this truth. Listen to what Proverbs 4.23 says. Be careful of what you think because your thoughts do what? Run your life. In our minds, we battle past mistakes in our minds. Past hurts are in our minds. Past harms are in our minds. How many of you can remember, just, 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 just to be honest, how many can remember someone hurting you in recent times? You can remember. How many of you can remember someone hurting you maybe when you were young or in elementary? I remember. Remember, I remember the science teacher who told me I would never be nothing, who told me I, I would be better off going to a trade school and that I would be better off just, just, just not giving up on college. I remember the very institution that told me I wasn't good enough to make it on their campus. I won't mention their name. I'll just give their initials, UC and LNA. They told me I wasn't even good enough to be on their campus. Here I am, PhD later, less than 1% has that degree. Had I listened to what other people were speaking into my life, speaking into my mind, come on, come on, give no ground, give no ground in your thought life. In our minds, we battle, we battle mistakes, we battle past hurts, we battle people speaking ill of us, we battle people speaking down to us, saying that we're not going to be anything, we're just like our father, we're just like our mother, that we're never going to live up to any standard in our mind. 
In our minds, we think if I speak up in this setting, what will people think of me in our minds? We think, what do people think of me if I be silent? What do people think about what I'm wearing? What about how I look in my mind? In my mind. Margaret Feinberg says these words in her book, Finding Peace in the Midst of Uncertainty. Watch this. And then we have this issue of worry. She says on the issue of worry, listen, worry is a subtle way of telling God that he's fallen asleep. So in our minds, we worry, we're stressed out, we're overcome. The Bible says that we, we, we're sort of tossed to and from, we're stretched, we're torn. But my scripture tells me, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Will guard your heart and what? Mind, which is in Christ Jesus. Too often we exchange worry in our minds rather than worship. We give no ground, though, today. Give no ground not to worry, not to fear, not to fret, not to ang anguish, not to frustration. Don't linger or languish in the past. Instead, embrace the most important gift, and that is the gift of now. Somebody shout now. now. Listen, God has graced you with now. He has graced you with strength to be here in this moment and this time and take nothing for granted. Give no ground, not in your mind, not in your attitude, not in your perspective, not in your outlook, your countenance. Listen, I want you today to shut your shoulders back, kick your head up and look forward to the things that God has for you in your mind. I want you to have clarity of thought in your mind. I want you to be bold in your faith and I want you to give no ground as of today. Give no ground. The Bible says these words we demolish arguments in every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ you know what listen listen I am the head and not the tail I'm first and not last I'm more than an overcomer I can do all things through Christ to give me strength listen I am a king's kid I'm a royal priesthood I'm a part of a holy nation that is set apart for the things of God I am given no ground I'm giving no ground, no ground, no ground, no ground, no ground. Give no ground. For Shema, this meant raising his weapon. But for us, this means me and you advancing in our prayer life, in our giving, in our service, in our worship, and reading and being encouraged in the scriptures and surrendering our total self to him. Shema did not turn and try to fight another day. He did not try to negotiate a peace treaty with the Philistines. Shema stood right there and he gave no ground. Give no ground. Shema's posture was this. If I give ground here, then what's next? This moment matters. It's not, in, it's not a small thing. It's a major thing. Everything is major when it comes for us advancing in the things of God. In his book, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Blink, Malcolm Gladwell kind of brings out this point about having a perspective about everything there's a theory called the broken window theory. And there was some controversy about this theory for a number of reasons, mainly having to do with some of the policies that were adopted by some police departments. But the point of the matter is this. The broken window theory says that in a neighborhood, in a community, that a window is literally broken or graffiti is written, that if it goes unchecked, unfixed, unrepaired, that the message to the community and to those who have vandalized and to those who have brought thievery is that no one cares, that this doesn't matter. And so Malcolm Gladwell says if you look in communities and in contexts where they don't allow graffiti, they don't allow broken windows, they don't allow vacant lots to consistently exist, those communities are vibrant. In other words, everything matters. They give no ground. 
They give no ground. And as if on cue, in my neighborhood, show the stop sign. We have the stop sign. Show this. This is a true story. This is 50 feet from my house. My wife comes to me a few months ago, and she says, have you seen the stop sign? I said, what are you talking about? She says, the stop sign, there's graffiti. It was so small that I, I thought it was part of the stop sign. I was like, well, wait. And I looked on that, and I said, you know what? Not on my watch, not in my neighborhood. I got on the email, I hit up our city council person and CC the mayor, and I said, hey, this may seem small to you, but it's not to me. And I just put broken window theory, handle it within three days, repaired, repaired, give no ground. Give no ground, give no ground, give no ground. Don't give an inch. Serve notice to the detractors, to the naysayers, the haters, the people who root against you. I'm giving no ground. This is not just a place where wheat and barley grow. This is the place that God has for me to be blessed. I am getting you out of my life, out of my circumstances, out of my mind, out of my actions, out of my thoughts. I'm giving no ground. So my son, the seniors at his school, and the other four lower grades, they all do a battle once a year. It's an epic battle. All of the students in the entire school, K through 12, come on the field and they watch the four grades compete in what is known as the tug of war. And the entry, they have their own theme music each class and it's class versus class and they have their own colors. And the parents literally, I don't know, these parents don't even work. I've never seen that many parents in the course of a middle of them. I'm like, don't y'all have jobs? All the parents are out there. They're all rooting and everything. And it's literally a tug of war. And it goes battle and they're battling. And literally, I was out there this past year and I'm watching. And they have a little tape right there in the middle. And then the, the teacher gives the, the, gives the go sign. He says, you go. And then they start pulling on each side. And then literally, if the tape moves, moves just a few inches to the right or a few inches to the left, the game is over. And so I'm watching it, and I'm watching them do battle, and I remember yelling at my son, come on, you guys can make it. But in my mind, I was like, we can't afford not even an inch. And then I heard somebody say, we can't give any ground. What is true in a tug of war at a high school needs to be true in your life. Give no ground. Secondly, listen to this. Remain faithful even when others flee. This requires trust and courage. Shema demonstrated this. Watch this. Shema is part of this elite army. He's ready to do battle. His fellow troops, Israel's troops, are by his side, but then he looks to his left and to his right, and they have fleed. They have ghosted up on him like Casper, the friendly ghost. They are gone. And the army of Israel fled, and what started out as a day to do battle for Shema and the troops of Israel ended up being a day of abandonment. But Shema did not flee. He remained faithful and brought to bear his military training in that moment and that testing. Shema was faithful in the fulfillment of all that was expected of him in that moment. And so my message here is, remain faithful, don't flee. Part of our being at risk of sinking is being overwhelmed in situations that confront us. And also, too, having our faith linked up to other people. And so when other people flee, we flee. We are often taken aback or surprised by the onslaught of challenges that come our way. In other words, one songwriter says, we try to live our life and then life itself comes and interrupts. And then we're taken aback. This person has left. This person is here. We bail too easily in situations, the job, the relationship, the church. There are several reasons or excuses we can imagine that people use. But let's be honest. It's easier to bail than to battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's easier to flee than to fight. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, to wrestle with tough questions and conversations, oh, man, that's just too much drama. Just, it's easier to say peace out before we pray, before we leave. Uh-huh. Find your field. Take your position. You should be faithful. Don't flee. We need some folks like that. When, listen, listen, I've been a Raider, friend, a Raider football fan since I was born. I came out of my mother's room rooting for the Raiders. We haven't won a Super Bowl since Reagan was in office. But you know what? If you cut me open, silver and black. That's how I roll. I'm going to two games this year, spending rent money, mortgage money. You don't even know that. I'm going. I don't know what we're going to do for those two months. But guess what? That's my team. Listen, Jesus stuck with me in my mess. I'm on team Jesus. I'm not fleeing on Jesus. I'm down with Jesus. Anybody here down with Jesus? Remain faithful. Don't flee. Remain faithful. Don't flee. When our trust is shallow, we, we, we lack courage to lean in and do what's the hard, the difficult things. We flee rather than remain faithful. Not so with Shema. And it's so it's true if Shema needs to be true for us. And in it is to me, watch this. Is it me or when things happen against us or when things happen to you, they come in like bundles. Have you noticed that Shema's fellow troops, they scatter, but the enemy, it says, the Philistines, they banded together. Have your problems ever multiplied in like one setting? You ever notice that? My son reached out to me via text and said, my car won't start last week. I said, okay, I was out of town. All right, so you know what to do, bro? Hit up the AAA, bro. That's why we pay the fee every month. Just have them handle it. We go from AAA pickup, which is covered by the coverage, to spending a whole lot of money for a battery and an alternator and some windshield wiper fluid. What else do they Is it me or when you take your car to mechanic? Like, this is like the dentist. They found out everything but... It's like, look, bro, I just wanted some windshield wiper fluid, man. You telling me I need a, I need a new engine? That's crazy. And I was thinking, man, the problems just multiplied here. And you look at the scriptures with the Philistines, they multiplied. The Bible says the troops scattered for Israel, but the enemy banded together. And in this moment, Shema must be thinking, wow, I'm being overwhelmed by what's happening here. These enemies banding together with Shema. It says, though, he took his stand in the middle of the field and defended it. Let me ask you a question. What are you willing to defend in relations to God? Get it in your spirit today that come what may. Let this be your attitude. I am all in with Jesus. He has stuck with me. I'm going to stay with him. Don't listen to the voices. Giving too much say to them will be detrimental to you. Crowds come and go, but remain faithful. Don't flee. Don't flee. Don't waver. Don't throw in the towel. Don't look to the left nor to the right. Don't give up. If God has redeemed you, if God has called you, if God has prepared you, if God has gifted you, if God has skilled you, if God has brought you through this moment, he will see you through. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Don't flee. Skilled, gifted, crafted, even in moments of crisis, all of that can work together for a great outcome. Thank you for listening to the Flourishing Church Podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to share it with your family and friends. If you have a prayer request or would like more information about Flourishing Church, you can check out our website at www.flourishing.church. Or you can text us, text FLOURISHING to 94000. Tune in next week for another amazing podcast episode, and we hope you have a blessed week.